Praise God. Hey, so this morning we're going to get into, uh, we're, we're shifting gears. We finished up with the journey to Christmas. And I want to talk to you about our theme for 2020 and where we're headed. And I'm, I am so excited about 2020. Um, I, I always, it always hits me, usually about mid-December, that I start thinking, oh, next year. Ooh, plans. Ooh, goals. And I start, this, the strategic side of me starts to really get ramped up. This year it, ha- it hit me about mid-November. So I've had an extra 30 days uh, working on that. And, uh, but uh, as the team began to pray into, the, uh, into 2020, there are several really pivotal things that I'll just, I'll, I'll just share. This is lighthouse stuff uh, that, uh, that is going to affect us as we go forward. Um, one of the things that's really important that's happening in 2020 is Pastor Daniel's going to graduate with his master's. Woo! Yeah. We're, I, nobody's more excited than Daniel about that, except maybe Jennifer. Um, Jennifer might be more excited. And, uh, and so he is going to finish his master's, graduate, and take a sabbatical for about 90 days. Um, he's been going hard. One of the things that we try to do here at Lighthouse is to, is to model the, uh, you know, setting ourselves aside for rest. And uh, so typically about seven years, every seven years, uh, for one of the pastors, we try to uh, put them on a sabbatical for a time and it's just a time really what happens is if you if you stop and add up all the time that they miss uh, in in ministry on Sundays because of long weekends that are maybe federal holidays or whatever you it take it doesn't take very long at all we're just trying to get that 90 days back that we lost because of all the holidays there was always a Sunday in the middle of it and uh, so Sunday's coming and so uh, so uh, Pastor Daniel and Jennifer are going to take a much needed break this uh, this summer and uh, so that's going to cause us to shift some things around a little bit in the verge. But we really believe that, uh, that coming into the fall of the year and then the start of in January, there are several key components that are going to come together for us to launch our School of Supernatural Leadership here at Lighthouse. Um, part of that is, a, is an initiative uh, that uh, the Assemblies of God Ministry Network, Potomac Ministry Network, has put together. Uh, they've just merged their, their school of ministry and then Bethel College which is in Hampton uh, the uh, I'm on the board for Bethel College and our name just changed to Antioch College and what that means is that's, that's a lot of stuff but what it means is we can have a ministry school here at Lighthouse that can grant bachelor's degrees and so students would, would, could come here and be a part of the ministry here at Lighthouse. They could learn vocational ministry, serving in, on a team somewhere in the area, and, uh, and, and learn the warp and the woof of what we do. Um, and at the same time, uh, glean the, the, you know, the college credits that they would need to be able, they could take anywhere. They could go on from, Bethel Co- or from Antioch College. They could go on to a master's degree or a doctorate or anything like that. And so we're excited about that. It's a new thing. It's, it's in formation stages, uh, but we're, we're really encouraged about that. And, and that's going to be, uh, the, Pastor Daniel's going to take the lead on that uh, when he comes back. In fact, his, his, uh, everything he's been taking in his master's has been gearing up for that. Um, and so we're, we're looking forward to that. It's going to be a great year in that regard. And uh, so many different things happening. Little Lights is just uh, moving uh, leaps and bounds. It's just continuing to grow. Um, Legacy Springs, we're making some adjustments. Adjustments in our in our plan so that we can uh, make it to, to be more profitable. Um, we're making some adjustments there and looking at the at construction pieces, what we need to do there. 
And so just keep us in prayer about those things. But at the same time, God's raising up leaders in this house. I believe that in the next uh, few months, about 70 new leaders are going to rise up out of this congregation to begin leading teams in areas that we can make our ministry that much better. Uh, a lot of times say, well, why are you making these changes, Pastor Ken? Uh, you know, why are you doing this? It's because we want to get better. We, we're going to chase better around here. We're going to chase, how can we reach more people? How can we make our hospitality ministry better? How can we make our services better? Um, how, can we, how can we pray more effectively in the house of the Lord? There's so many different aspects to that. And so uh, I'm excited about that. Um, I, so I, I want to talk with you about our theme for 2020. Our theme is very simple. See Jesus, speak Jesus. See Jesus, Speak Jesus. We are prioritizing worship and prioritizing uh, the ministry of uh, speaking the word of the Lord. And, uh, and so as we move into 2020, we really feel like these are some uh, elements that we're going to make a component of here at Lighthouse. That's going to be our theme, and it's going to be woven through uh, the things that we do. Starting, in, uh, starting just the second week in uh, January, our men's group on Thursday night is going to launch. Um, we're going to be studying the Jesus Fast, um, and then uh, the whole church in uh, February uh, for Lent. We're going to start on February the 26th is when Lent begins, and uh, we're going to take a 40-day fast. And some of you say, uh, I don't think so. Um, stick with us. You know, th this is a church that's not uh, unfamiliar with fasting. Fasting's been part of our DNA since 1998, and, uh, and so we're going we're gonna to be walking together uh, through this. But if you've never fasted before, uh, we, we have uh, some easier ways to do that to get you started and, and get you familiar with it. And so uh, I promise we haven't lost anybody yet. In fact, people find themselves healthier after about 72 hours of no food. They say, whoa, I haven't felt this good in a long time. And uh, it's just amazing what, what the Lord's going to do through this fast. So I'm, I'm anticipating some wonderful things. So this morning, we're going to be in, uh, uh, in Hebrews chapter 2. And uh, would you do this with me? Would you stand with me this morning? We're going to read this word together. Hebrews chapter 2, <clears throat> verses 1 through 9. The word said, everybody out loud. We must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. For if the message spoken by angels was binding and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. It is not to angels that he has subjected the world to come, about which we are speaking, but there is a place where someone has testified, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and honor and put everything under his feet. In putting everything under him, God left nothing that is not subject to him. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to him. But we see Jesus, who is made a little lower than the angels, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. Amen. You read the word. Good job. Have a seat. Um, 
if you were to take off from LAX in a 747 and you were to get out there on that runway and, and once you reached a cruising altitude, actually you could be on the runway and just five feet off course, five feet at LAX headed for JFK, let's see, five feet. Somewhere, Gary, stand up. This is my, how, how tall are you, brother? Now I'm 5'2". You're 5'2", all right. This is my favorite five-footer right here. This is Gary. If you, were, if you were off by the height of a Gary Loveland, love you, man, uh, and, and, you, and you flew from LAX aiming toward JFK, but you were off by just five feet, in that takeoff, you would land in D.C. That would be a couple of hundred miles difference uh, from, the, the, from the flight. As you go across the United States, all it would take would, would be five feet on the nose of that plane, and you would end up way off course in a totally different destination that you hoped for. Now, in the, in, as we look in our lives as believers, what we need to understand is that God is directing our course. God is heading us somewhere. That God isn't just thinking, oh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm hoping. He's not wringing his hands saying, I hope they get to heaven someday. He doesn't think, we might think like that, but he doesn't think like that. He sees you as a finished work in Jesus Christ. He sees you already perfected in Christ. He knows what you can be before you ever see it manifested in your life. He knows the fullness of what his power at work in the ins, on the inside of you can do. If you're a person who says, I want to move into agreement with the direction that God has for my life, and I'm going to put the word of God into my life so that the word can have its work on the inside, of my life, and as long as you're a person that prioritizes the word to keep you on course, Jesus is being formed in you daily. One preacher said it this way um, He said, Everything that happened in your life until you came to Christ was handcrafted by the Father to bring you to Christ. Everything that happens in your life after you come to Christ is handcrafted by the Father to form Jesus in you. So God's plan is to form Christ in you. And it's very difficult for a human being to live outside of the identity that they hold for themselves. If you see yourself uh, in, a, if your identity is other than um, what you, you know, what you think you are, in other words, you, you, you know, this is what the word says, but this is what you believe about yourself. Can I tell you what the word says is not going to matter. What you think about yourself is really what you're going to hang on to. It's hard for you to live a, a, a life inconsistent with the, the way you see yourself. And uh, wouldn't it be great if we could see ourselves the way God sees us? Wouldn't, wouldn't we be liberated if we understood the value that God really placed on us? And I'm, again, I'm not talking theologically. I think we understand that. We understand doctrinally that you were, you're worth so much that God put his most valuable possession on the cross on your behalf. That's not the point. The point is you don't believe that. Well, yeah, I do, Pastor Ken, because I'm born again. Okay, but you don't live like that. You don't, you, why? Because you compromise. Because you live beneath what, God, uh, what God's best for you is. Why? Because you think you know better. 
Did I say that? Ooh, okay. Let's, let, me, let me just, let me just uh, break it down for you here in the Word. Now, there are several warnings in the book of Hebrews. There's a little outline in your notes there if you want to look at that. Drifting from the word. That's what we're going to talk about today. Doubting the word. Dullness to the word. Despising the word. Defying the word. If you ever want a cool outline that, like that, just look for Warren Wearsby's outlines. You can find them. Uh, just powerful, uh, real uh, pithy statements that he puts together you know, for those outlines. But here's the thing. In Hebrews, there are these five warnings. And the, we're going to talk about the very first one today. Drifting from the word. Drifting from the word. We drift from the word when we get distracted by what we see in our world and we stop seeking to see Jesus in it. Let me tell you, uh, I have a habit in the mornings. I, I, I never, I can't tell you the last time I, I watched a news channel or listened to the news on, a, on the, you know, on the television or radio or anything like that. Why? Because it's such a waste of time. I mean, I can get all the headlines, I can, I can, you know, siphon off all the headlines in about 15 seconds on my phone. I'll just look at a news site, and I'll just hit the headlines, don't care, don't care, don't care, don't care, okay, po- possibly care, and I'll, I'll look at that, and, uh, and, and I can do it in just a, just a matter of time, but can I tell you, every time I read a headline, I mean, and they seem to be worse in the last 30 days, uh, death, murder, you know, this, that, the other thing was going on, I'm like, well... You know, and, and you know what happens every time that what what you and I get a hold of when we have those uh, headlines that hit us is it's reinforcing a godless world. It's reinforcing to us where is God? This isn't the way it's supposed to be. Where is God? And why is that? Because uh, you know, uh, sensational headlines, right? They sell copy. So the, the good stuff doesn't actually end up in the news because it doesn't sell enough. And so they're going to, uh, of all the other head, they can't put everything in there. So what are they going to put? They're going to put the stuff that sells. I, I got some, uh, uh, a tip from Mark Geppert a number of years ago. He says, I, he says, I don't listen to, uh, I don't take in any news from any news source that, uh, that gets advertising dollars. Think about it. Right? If you're taking in news that somebody is paying, the, paying for the ads somewhere or another, it, things are getting swayed. Right? Information, that information is being paid for. And so you and I need to, to recognize that in our world, uh, a lot of what we get barraged with is godless. There, there's no image of God in the world. They're, they're, they're pushing an agenda in our world. And, and it's, is it people? Well, it's people, but it's people that are pawns. Right? We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but principalities, powers, and rulers. We know that it's a, a spiritual force, as it were. So uh, in our world, uh, you know, we, we uh, stop seeking to see Jesus in it because we get so overloaded with how bad our world is. And it's very easy to become cynical about that. Look at uh, Acts chapter 2, 2, uh, 2.22 in this passage. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him as you yourselves. Now, this is part of Peter's sermon. And they're talking through this, uh, the, the, Peter's talking through this reality of how God has attested to Jesus in their midst. They crucified him, but God raised him to life. You know, and, and so if you, if you want to, can I just give you a, a word of encouragement today? If the world is saying one thing and God's saying another, you better get a hold of what God's saying. Because whatever the world's going to say, its script is going to change again tomorrow. 
It's going it, to it's gonna, it's gonna change like shifting sand. And God doesn't do that. And so God testified to Jesus Christ, even though the rulers, the leaders, the government of the day said he's a criminal. He's, he's, a, he's everything that we ought to be banishing in our world. He's a blasphemer. But God raised him from the dead, right? Uh, Mark 16, 20, then the disciples went out everywhere and went and preached everywhere and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. Why were the signs and wonders important? Because they got the attention of, of the, the people that they were trying to reach. The word came first and the signs followed. The word came first and the signs followed. Believers uh, need to preach the word. When you preach the word, when you minister the word, when you share the word, the signs follow the ministry of the word. You know? And so we need to be people that don't drift from the word, even the proclamation of it. Right? We've, we've got to minister the word and then the signs follow the word. Secondly, we drift from the word when we diminish the importance of the salvation we've received and we stop speaking the word which changes the world. You know, I think for every one of us in this room, it's very easy to navel gaze. It's very easy to say, you know what? I'm not living, you know, I, I look at my life and I don't measure up and I don't see where I need to be. And, uh, and so it, it's easy for us to get... Um, in a place where, well, if I speak up, then people are going to say, hey, well, what about your life? I see this, and I see this, and I see this, and it's easy. I'm, you know, let me tell you, I'm a leader for a number of years now, and uh, let me tell you, there's a target. I mean, it's a deal, right? You, you live, you, if you're going to name the name of Jesus, you are now in a fishbowl, and there's a target on your back, and just get used to that. Get used to that. Why? Because they're hoping that there might be something different on the inside of you. They're hoping to see something that might resemble Jesus, that might resemble purity, that might resemble integrity. People are looking at you, and that becomes your platform. Now, you don't have to discredit yourself or discount yourself every time and say, well, you know, I'm just like everybody else. Don't be like everybody else. You have a unique fingerprint. You have a unique purpose. God's got a, a unique destiny for your life. So, But when you get over into the word and you speak the word, the word is the word. Not your, not your opinion of the word, the word. You know, the, the Bible tells us preach the word, not what you think about the word. Not where you fail the word. Not what somebody else said about the word. The word's got power. It just needs to be proclaimed. And we drift from it when we, we look at ourselves first instead of saying, this person needs the word, you know. And, and so going into 2020, we need to move from our, play, our prayer closet into the place to say, you know what, I'm, uh, when I go into the workplace, I'm going into the mission field. I don't expect those people to think or act like I think or act any more than I would expect a, a, a person who lives in China to act like an American. Uh, I, I'm going to reach them with the message of Christ. If words are part of that, and, they sh and it should be, but my lifestyle ought to re represent him. Don't drift from that. Don't get off track with that. See Jesus and then speak Jesus. See Jesus and then speak Jesus. Why? Because that's where the power is. It's not wishing that things would get better. It's seeing Jesus and speaking Jesus. That's what makes it better. That's what brings about the change. If we fail to do that, you know, the word says this, uh, says this uh, in Proverbs. It says, stop listening to instruction and you'll cast off restraint. 
If you spend time out, if you, if you put the word on the shelf and you don't put it in, can I, can I tell you, your flesh is right there with you every day, and it's going to gain the upper hand. And pretty soon, struggles that you didn't have before, you're going to find them. They're going to come, where, where's the, where did this come from? Well, you stopped putting the word in. The word has restraining power. The word has cleansing power. The word has transformational power. But if you spend hours and hours and hours listening to what the world says and and imbibing all that the world has, there's my word for the year. I'm going to have another word in 2019. Where's where's Pastor Bernie? Pastor Bernie, I'm changing my word for for 2020, okay? Um, I, I said that word a few years ago, and he's like, what is that? So when we think in terms of of how much time we spend soaking and being saturated by what this world has to offer, and then then we have just a menial, five minutes in the Word, two hours with the big screen, but five minutes in the Word. I'm I'm not here to, I'm, I'm here to let us evaluate this. If the Word of God is not, is not going into you, the Word is life. The word is your hope. The word is your peace. The word is your strength. You know, everything you have need of found in the word of God. It, you're, you're saying, well, I'm really struggling. Do you have a scripture for that? Do you have a, a, a passage of scripture that you're meditating on? The word becomes your meditation, and you begin to think on these things, and God renews you on the inside by the word. It's the power of the word that you have the ability to walk, the walk that God's called us to. Don't drift from it. Don't drift from it. You know, I, and, and so you got to find yourself in a habit. You know, one of the best ways that I've found to get myself in a, in a word habit is to link up with somebody else that, that wants to do the same thing. Link up with somebody else. Um, I, I call it borrowing motivation. I've done this for years, years and years and years ago. I had a friend that was uh, lateraling from the army or from the Coast Guard into the army, and he had to. Uh, he was going into officer training school, and I, I needed to get back into shape, and I needed to get running. And uh, he said, "Man, I got to train for boot camp. I got to do this and this and this." I said, "Okay, uh, what time are you going to run? I'll be there." And and just by my saying, "I'll be there." I would never let him down. Why? Because if I say something, I'm going to do it. I'm going to follow through. And so, so he and I, that, that began that, that journey. And then he got into officer training, and then uh, I found somebody else. They were wanting to do something, and, I, and they wanted to train for an event. I'll, you know what? I'll show up. I'll do that with you. What time you going know? And so we, you know, we would work it out, and, and so that we'd figure it out and get on track with that habit. You know? And uh, I couldn't have done it myself. I didn't have enough motivation myself, but I'd borrow other people's motivation. What would happen if you borrowed somebody else's motivation? If they, you just started in a conversation about, I've got this word habit I want to get into. Okay, let's text back and forth every morning. You know, let's, let's uh, relate about the thing that we, uh, that we saw in the word that day, that thing I journaled. Maybe, I, maybe you want to get into journaling and you say, you know what, I'm not going to write a whole page, but maybe one sentence. I'm going to write one sentence. Usually my one sentence to get started was, I don't know what I should write. <laughs> Period. And then I, but, but you know what I did? I did it. I wrote that one sentence, and then that led to the next sentence, and the next to the, to the next sentence. Borrow some motivation from somebody. Don't drift from the word. Don't drift from the word. This is the warning, the first warning that comes to us. It's so easy to drift from. Why? Because the world is constantly knocking you off course. You, you hear it, uh, your, your five senses are barraged because of, the, because of the world that you live in. 
And so you're going to have to buckle down and you're going to have to say, what am I going to do to make sure I don't drift from the word in 2020? How am I going to live my life? Because I don't want to end up off course. I don't want to end up somewhere that I didn't set out to be when I launched out. And uh, can I tell you, this is why it's so important. If I could, if I could spend a day with young families, I would talk to them about the importance of the house of God. Not because I'm a pastor, but because I've watched my kids get the reinforcement of what we taught at home uh, from people in the house of God. Now, fortunately, we have that, uh, a good culture here at Lighthouse to be able to do that, you know. Uh, some churches, that's maybe not the case. But, you know, uh, here, what you, you find out, the, the Bible says, uh, where Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. There, there are a lot of things that you could uh, have your kids involved with that are good, but the only one that's, that's of eternal significance is the church. Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. And you know what happens when you uh, put your kids around the right kind of influence? Can I tell you that it's not, they they have to make their own choices, but it's easier to make right choices when you're around people that are making right choices, right? You use that positive peer pressure. They still have to choose the Lord. It's funny how that works. The Bible says bad company corrupts good morals. But the only place you can go to get righteousness is by you individually choosing Jesus. People don't come to Christ by, you know, by whole families. They come to Christ one person at a time. Each one of us has to surrender our heart to the Lord. Each one of us has to follow him in the way, right? And so, uh, so it's easy for us to, to drift off course unless we're around people that uh, are saying, hey, we're, we're, we're serving the Lord too. We're moving in that direction. And so uh, a lot of times we diminish the importance of the salvation we receive. We stop speaking the word. Don't diminish what God has done in your life. Be a person that regularly thanks God for how he has saved you and how he's done work in your life. It seems to us sometimes old hat, but I love hearing people's testimonies. I had a, an encounter yesterday. I had gone to your pie, and I was by myself, and I just said, well, I'm just, it was a nice day. I had the motorcycle out and uh, had a little break, and so I went and uh, sat down, and, and a gentleman that was kind of, I'd just gotten barely to know a little bit, but I'd never heard his story. And he sat down, and he started telling me his story, telling Telling me how he came to the Lord. Telling me uh, about uh, the things that he's seen. And I was so encouraged by the time I got done. I'm like, yeah. You know, because there, there, there was this moment in time where we had this conversation about, I remember where I was at 17 when I, uh, when I came to Christ. And I remember the changes that have happened in my life. And I was reminded, man, I don't want to drift away. I want to I end up like him. I want to end up, I'm going to keep going. He's probably 25 years ahead of me, but I want to keep going. I want to keep going. And I hope you have that same encouragement today, that you have people in your life that are encouraging you along the way. Every time I get around an older, uh, an older uh, man or woman, have the opportunity to, uh, to sit down at the table with some apostolic leaders, some international people uh, this month uh, in January. I'm already, my head's already in January. And uh, so in January, I'm going to go sit down with them. But you know, one of the things I try to do every time I get around them is finish strong, please. Don't quit because I'm following you. I don't, I don't want, I can't handle a devastation of somebody that, that lived for Jesus for 50 years and then, and then fell flat before the finish line. Do not do that to me. We're in this thing together, aren't we? 
We're in this, I'm in this for you. I hope you're in this for me. I hope that we can gather together and we can say like Jesus, we lost none. We lost none that were given to us by the Lord. Why? Because we look after one another and we say, you know what, I've been dry before and, and you know it's just a season, you'll get through it. And I've, I've been tempted to walk in unforgiveness before. Don't do it, it's poison. It'll put your walk on the shelf. Get yourself back in the game. And you know, we need to encourage one another. Don't drift because this salvation that we have is too precious, Amen. Lastly, this morning, we drift from the, the word when we refuse to follow the pattern of Christ in death so that others might live. Here's, here's I'm, I'm going to read to you the passage, uh, the last part of Hebrews again. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death. You see that it says because. He's crowned with glory and honor because. Jesus didn't get the crown of glory and honor because he was the second person of the Trinity. Jesus got the crown because he was obedient unto death. Jesus, was, uh, Jesus got what he got because he did what was necessary so others could see life. He became the, the foundation for salvation because he chose death. He chose what God wanted more than what he wanted, more than what his flesh wanted. He chose that. And, and so, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death. Think, think about that. What is in that sense? So that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. Isn't that a powerful verse? I mean, you say, oh, thank God for the grace of God so that you might taste death. Whoa. Whoa. I don't know. It might make you look at amazing grace a little differently. What was the grace that Jesus walked in? Jesus walked in this grace that, that uh, would allow him to taste death on behalf of everyone. Now, let me tell you, when Jesus died on the cross and he said, it is finished, you know what that means in the Greek? It is finished. So he died so that every generation after would have a pattern that we could follow. There still needs to be sacrifice for this generation to come to God. There still need to be people who will pay it forward for the gospel to go into the places that the gospel has not gone. There are still going to be people that, that are, that are uh, they're going to be, need to be people that are raised up, workers that are raised up to go to places, and they're going to have to lay down their lives so that others can live, so that others can live. And, and so here's the pattern that Jesus lays out for us. If you'll die to yourself, if you'll die to yourself, Others will get the fragrance of life from your life. You say, Pastor Ken, that's pretty morbid. Why are you finishing 2019 talking about it? Because I want you to understand the pathway. The pathway. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the Father. What's that about? It's, it's, it's something similar to this. It's a discipline, okay? It's, a, it's called mortification of the flesh, but it's a discipline. Here's, here's how I would describe it and how I do describe it in my life. I hate running, but I like having run. 
I hate writing, but I like having written. There are things in my life that I have found great delight in, but the discipline of it was no fun. You know, whether it's lifting weights, whether it's adjusting your diet, whether it's whatever it is, you like the results, but you had to enter into some discipline to get to that place. But what you find, and anybody in here in this room that's ever learned music, anybody here in this room that's ever uh, learned to ride horses, shoot guns, whatever it is, you, there are some rudiments, you get the disciplines down, and, and what you find is that those disciplines actually brought freedom. Where I was limited before, now I'm unlimited because I can just enjoy this process. Whether it's learning to hit those high notes, whether it's, a, whether it's a learning to uh, hit the target every time, whether it's uh, setting a goal in, in, your, uh, in the weight room and being able to hit it, whatever it is, it frees you to do things that you would not have been able to do before. And it's the entering into that discipline process. And it's, did, is it easy? No, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. And then we'd have to find something else that was called discipline. Well, I have the discipline of overeating. Okay, so does everybody else. It's not a discipline. It's just the way we do it, right? And, and so we got to be people to understand that this is a, this is a pathway that Jesus, uh, that Jesus laid out for us. If we refuse to follow the pattern of Christ in death so others might live, we're drifting from the word that he has given to us. What's got to happen for that 747 to stay on course? Well, it's going to have to fight the contrary winds that are coming its way. It's going to have to compensate. Every time the compass begins to shift, the pilot has to bring it back. Bring it back. Bring it back. Why? We're going to stay on course. We're not going to drift in your life and mine. We're going to have opportunities to sin. They're going to be right there in front of us all the time, right there around us all the time. And what are you going to have to do? You're going to, have to, you're going to start to drift. You're going to have to bring it back. You're going to have to bring No, I'm not going to do that. Why? Because well, I'm not going to drift. I'm going to stay on course. I'm going to stay in the direction that the Lord has for me. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? You know, we, we, sin is, it, is, is enjoyable. The Bible says sin is fun, pleasurable for a season, right? And, uh, and, and a lot of the church has gotten tripped up in that and say, well, let's just see how long we can make that season last. But what we're doing is we're drifting from the word. And we're drifting from the pattern that Jesus has laid out for us. And we may not feel the result, but the next generation will. We may not see the result, but the people that would have been reached by our message will. The nations, the people that have not yet heard the message of the gospel, are waiting for somebody else to die to themselves and follow in obedience to what the Lord wants to do. Why would you do it? You only do it if you love Jesus. There is no other reason. If, if you enter into discipline because, hey, I'm just a disciplined person, that's kind of pointless. In fact, the word talks about unless you're being led by the spirit, you know, you're, you're, gonna, you're, you're putting yourself under the law. They that led by the spirit of God are sons of God. You're just putting yourself under the law. You're, you're in some kind of competition with somebody else to, uh, you know, to batten down the hatches and do things that other people are not doing. You're just trying to be self-disciplined for self-discipline's sake. And that really is of no value in the kingdom. It's not redemptive. God's not going to do anything with it. You know, It's the same as, but in the, in, in the opposite direction, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. 
So, so, uh, so liberty and legalism, they're just two, uh, two guardrails on, you know, on either side of the road. That's not the point. The point is when you love Jesus and he talks to you about what he has for you, then he has shown you your path. He has shown you what you can do with your life. He has shown you who you can be, and you can begin to walk in that identity. This is what Paul said in Philippians 3, and we're going to close with this. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. When we don't have it, a purpose in our heart to pursue Christ, we drift from the word. When we don't see clearly the pattern laid out for us and walk that pattern that Jesus lays out for us, we drift from the word. In 2020, let's make it our goal to see Jesus and to speak Jesus. Let's make it our goal to see more clearly his life in us. Amen. Can we stand this morning? I want us to sing a song, and we're just going to do it a cappella. Uh, it's an older song, and if you've been around here a little while, you might know it, but um, it was just in my heart, and it relates to this passage we just read. Uh, it's called Knowing You, Jesus. All I once held dear, built my life upon. All this world reveres and wars to own. All I once thought gain, I have counted loss, spent and worthless now, compared to this, knowing you, Jesus, knowing you, there is no greater thing. You're my all, you're the best, you're my joy, my righteousness, and I love you, Lord. Now my heart's desire is to know you more, to be found in you, and known as yours, to possess by faith. What I could not earn, all-surpassing gift of righteousness. Knowing you, Jesus, knowing you, there is no greater thing. You're my all, you're the best. You're my joy, my righteousness, and I love you, Lord. Oh, to know the power of your risen life, and to know you in 
your sufferings to become like you in your death my lord so with you to live and never die sing it out with me knowing you jesus knowing you there is no greater thing you're my all you're my all you're the best you're my joy my righteousness you're my all you're my all you're the best you're my joy my righteousness you are my all you're the best you're my joy my righteousness and i love you lord and i love and i love you lord father i just pray that we would see jesus nothing else matters We can't find him in the headlines. We don't see everything under his feet. But as a church, as the people of God, you have made it possible by your spirit that we can see Jesus. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't leave the house until we've seen Jesus. I pray we'd have epic encounters in 2020. In our living rooms, in our cars, in our bedrooms, on our knees, where we got to see Jesus. And when we hear him speak, we are strengthened. And we head into this world able to say what you said to us. Lord, our only plan in 2020 is to see Jesus and to speak Jesus. Our only goal is to see him more clearly and to speak more effectively. God, I pray that you would stir every heart to live the pattern so that we might drift, uh, we might not drift away, but that we would, we would see the pattern that you've laid out for us. Lord, it's a pattern of obedience. It's a pattern of laying down the flesh. It's a pattern of following the Holy Spirit. And that, Lord, we would sell everything else out so that we might gain that understanding in our heart of hearts. We want to be like Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we've had this morning to hear your word. Thank you, Lord, for each and every person in this room that makes Lighthouse their home, that chooses to prioritize the local church and our mission, the, the mission of Christ that you've called us to. Thank you, Lord, for every family. Thank you for blessing us in 2019. Father, as we begin to lift our eyes, even as we think to consider, Lord, the New Year's Eve service on Tuesday, Lord God, that you would begin to speak to us. Give us the clarity that we need. Lay out the coordinates of the journey before us, God, so that we can walk with you every step of the way. We thank you for that this morning. Hallelujah. Hey, did the Lord speak to you about something today? Would you just lift up your hand? The Lord talked to you about something. Amen. I know he did me. I'm going to commit. We're going to live our best, our, our best life in 2020, aren't we? 
I'm going to commit to you. I hope you'll commit to me. Let's walk that out. Let's live that out. Let's honor the Lord in this house. Praise the Lord. Hey, if you're a guest with us, stop by Inside Lighthouse on the way out. Thank you so much for being here today. We love you. We'll talk to you soon.